Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to finish off that chapter and go ahead and start chapter 10. Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35. Now, again, we always have to keep going back to this. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that has been stained by sin, that has had sin and death and sickness and pain brought into this world because of the sin of our first parents, Adam and Eve. This is a broken world, and God, out of His compassion towards us, has sent His Son to come and make things right. He has sent His Son to come and fix the problem that we have. The problem that we have in this life is we are sinners by nature and by choice. We have inherited sin from our ancestors, Adam and Eve, and we have all acted out in sin ourselves. And because of our sin, we, we, because of the sin of humanity, we deal with pain and sickness and death and loss and all of those things. And because of sins in our own life, we earn the wrath of God. And we need our problem fixed. And the only remedy for that problem is Jesus. Jesus was sent. He came to this earth to live a sinless life, to offer Himself up on the cross as a payment. Our debt was paid in full on the cross. Jesus died and He experienced the wrath of God poured out on Himself so that we did not get what we deserved, but instead God looks at us and sees the righteousness of Christ His Son. Amen. Now we live in this broken world now, and when Jesus was here, He was demonstrating that things were beginning to change. When he did these miracles, casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, what Jesus was doing, he was showing that the curse was being broken. He was showing that the Messiah had finally come. The one who the Old Testament looked forward to that would finally come and set us free from the curse of sin and death was finally here. Now Jesus, He looked out on the the masses. He looked out on all the people and He saw the pain and the brokenness and the, the sickness and He was moved with compassion. But he, as he was physically here on earth, would not stay to, to spread that message and to heal everyone physically while he was here. 
While Jesus was here, he was bound to one location. And he couldn't, in a physical form as he was here, couldn't carry out his mission to the whole earth. He knew that he was going to the cross, that he would die, that he would rise again, and that he would ascend to heaven and he would send the Holy Spirit to fill believers and that we would then carry out his mission. So he had compassion and he, he, he prayed and he told his disciples, pray that the Lord of the harvest, that is God, would send out laborers into the harvest because the harvest was great, but the workers were few. And at that time, there were 12. And now there are millions. But we still, when we look at the harvest, there's not enough. We need more. And then Jesus commissioned those disciples to go out and do what he was doing. That's kind of an overview of what our text is all about. We're going to go ahead and read our text, beginning in verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the, his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called them to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us this morning. You would help us to understand what your mission was then and what your mission is now. And help us to hear how you want us to be involved in your mission today. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Give me strength and give me grace. I'm only a, a weak sinner. You have given me this commission, and you're using each of us that you would be glorified. Lord, give me grace and strength as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. The text begins, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. 
We see what Jesus was doing. He was traveling through all the cities. All the cities of the region. Now we have seen what Jesus was doing. He had been doing all these miracles already. We saw how he had healed a blind man. He had, he, had, he had opened the mouth of a mute man. He had cast demons out of people. He had raised a dead child. He had uh, healed this woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. He had done all of these miracles. And now we see this kind of summary of his ministry where he's going around and teaching and preaching the gospel. And also he was healing every disease and every affliction. Jesus' ministry is summed up in this. He was teaching and preaching the gospel, and he was healing every disease. These are two components here. There was a teaching concept. He was teaching and he was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Now, some people look at this and they wonder, what was Jesus preaching? Because when we think about the gospel, we think, Jesus died and was buried and he rose again and he ascended into heaven. And if we have faith in him, that we can receive forgiveness and be saved. Yet this was before all that happened. So some people look at that and think, well, whatever he was preaching, he couldn't have been preaching what we think of when we think of the gospel. Well, I think that's rubbish. Jesus predicted what was going to happen. In other places, he tells them that the Son of Man must suffer and that he must die and that he'll be buried and raised again on the third day. He tells them all that's going to happen before it ever happens. What Jesus was, was preaching was probably this. He was pointing to the Old Testament and saying, you see this Messiah that's one day going to come? I'm here. That was the gospel. And he could look at texts like Isaiah 53 and say, the Son of Man will suffer many things and he'll be crucified and raised again. He could point to passages like Isaiah 61 that says that the gospel will be preached to the poor and there will be uh, the people will be healed of all of their diseases and things like that. He was preaching that God's plan was finally coming true. So he was preaching about himself, not just a bunch of moral principles, if you keep these rules, then you'll be saved. He was preaching about himself, just like we preach about Jesus. He was preaching... I'm here. And his miracles pointed to that fact. The Old Testament prophecies all talked about when the Messiah gets here, he's going to heal the sick. He's going to open the eyes of the blind. And the lame are going to leap for joy. And all of those things. And in the life of Jesus, we see this very thing. And that's what Jesus' ministry was characterized by. He was teaching and preaching the gospel that the Messiah had finally come, and it was him, and he was healing and setting things right that were broken. He was going through all their cities. Jesus knew this is a big world. And he, they didn't have cars back then. They didn't have airplanes back then. He didn't have trainings back then, all of those things. He walked. 
Maybe he had a donkey. He rode into the, to the Jerusalem the week before his death, which we'll celebrate next week, Palm Sunday, on a donkey. Physically, in his body, he could not be everywhere and spread the gospel and heal. He knew he was limited in space and time because he had taken on flesh. As John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so, he shares his authority. When Jesus looks out at the crowds and has compassion on them, they're hurting. Jesus has compassion on hurting people. And when we are hurting... Jesus has compassion on us. He knows about our hurting. He knows about our suffering. And he has compassion on us. And he has compassion on all the world. And that's why he sent his son. And Jesus told his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You look out into the world, and we have, what, 7 billion people now? And the, the, the needs are so many and so diverse. Who will take the gospel to seven million, a billion people? Jesus tells his disciples the same thing that he tells us. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is a direct application for us. We know the needs of the world. And what do we ask? We can't be everywhere, just like Jesus couldn't be everywhere. What do we ask? We pray that God would send out laborers into the harvest. It's still the same way it was back then. There's more need than there are workers. We can tell that right here. <laughs> we don't have to look at the whole world. We can tell right here. There's a lot more in Panama that needs to be done. As we look out to the community, we see the need. There's a lot more that needs to be done than what the handful that are here can do. And what does Jesus tell us to do? We pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers. And what does that look like? We pray that God would save people, bring them into the church, so that we can all work together to reach this community all around us. And God is answering that prayer. And I hope that John, Ron doesn't mind me using him as an example. <laughs> We've been serving in this community for more than five years. And I've prayed, God send us people to help. God send us people to help. We've been waiting and waiting. God moved in Ron's life and he was saved miraculously last June. Now he's up here praying and reading scripture. And I'm not even going to mention what he's doing outside of here. He's been a tremendous blessing to me personally. We pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into the harvest. 
We're going to have lots of people one of these days when God answers that prayer. Not just Ron, but we'll have many, many more who will trust in Jesus and get on mission with Him. Chapter 10. So what does Jesus do when He sees all this need that's out there? He called to Him His twelve disciples, and He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal every disease and every affliction. Let's look at this. He had followers already, twelve disciples in particular, that He called out, and he appointed them and commissioned them. So that, And he gave them authority. Now that's an important word. He gave them authority. They didn't just have the power to go out and heal the sick and raise the dead on their own. They were doing that on Jesus' authority. They could cast out demons because they said, In Jesus' name, I command that demon to leave. In Jesus' name, be healed. They, they were working on the authority of Jesus. And what is it that he called them to do? Still in verse 1. He gave them authority to over unclean spirits to cast them out. What did Jesus do at the end of last week's sermon? He cast out a demon. And to heal every disease and every affliction. What was Jesus doing? In verse 35, it says He was healing every disease and every affliction. So what Jesus was doing, He was giving the apostles, these twelve disciples, authority so that they could do what He was doing. He was spreading His mission. He was sharing His authority and inviting His followers to to be a part of the same thing he was doing. Verse 2. This is a list. <laughs> this starts out a list. And we, we think, well, what what what's so why do we why do we pay attention to a list? But this is important. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. We've already seen how Simon and Peter were called. Simon and Andrew were called. They were just a couple of fishermen. They were blue-collar workers, and God called them. Jesus called them to follow Him. They weren't trained in rabbi school or anything like that. They were just fishermen, and God called them. And James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, also fishermen, blue-collar workers. You don't have to go to seminary to follow Jesus and get involved in his mission. These were just fishermen. Philip and Bartholomew, we don't know as much about them. Thomas, we know that he was a twin. Matthew, the tax collector. I find it funny. Matthew was the one who wrote that book. Saved himself towards the end. Yeah. Me! <laughs> the tax collector! The sinner that nobody would want to have anything to do with. He even chose me! Matthew! James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, 
Simon the Zealot. What was a zealot? A political terrorist. <laughs> the zealots, they were, they were trained assassins. They wanted to throw off Rome by military power. This zealot, God changed through Jesus' ministry, and he turned him into a peaceful follower of Jesus. He turned a terrorist into a peacemaker. And then Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Judas is listed among the twelve. We know what happens with him. He betrays Jesus and kills himself. One thing we recognize from this, just like Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, there will be many who call, say to me on the judgment day, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We prophesied in your name. And Jesus will say to them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I think Judas here in this list reminds us there will be many, there will be, be a few at least, who look and give every sign that they're genuine on the last day won't even be saved. There are many out there they were actually Judas was performing miracles. Judas was preaching the same gospel that the apostles were preaching that the other apostles were preaching. And he wasn't even saved. So when we see some hypocrite, some pastor fall out there, it shouldn't surprise us. Jesus had 12 disciples who were he called personally to ministry, and one of them betrayed him. So it's not a shock when we see that today. Verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter the no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And why was this the case? He's giving them specific instructions where to go. He says, go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Stay among the Jews. Don't go preach among the Gentiles. Don't go preach among the Samaritans. That does not seem normal to us 21st century Christians looking back at this. But his time had not come yet. He hadn't yet gone to the cross. There's a mystery that we see only glimpses of until Acts chapter 10. When Cornelius, the first Gentile convert, becomes is saved. You see glimpses of it in the Old Testament. It says, I think it's in Isaiah, it says, Let the nations be glad. The book of Jonah was all written about a prophet who was going and proclaiming the Gentiles. So there are glimpses that God is one day going to include Gentiles as well. But that time didn't come until after Jesus died, rose again, and ascended into heaven. 
He gives those instructions to his disciples at that time. That was their mission. That was the boundaries that they were to go to. Hold that thought. We're going to come back to this. And what does he tell them to do? Go, and he says, proclaim, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what was Jesus proclaiming? The gospel of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom has come. The Messiah is here. What was, what was his commission to the disciples? Proclaim, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. The Messiah has come. They were preaching the same message that Jesus preached. The application for that? That's still our mission. What does the church proclaim? What Jesus and the apostles preached. Our mission is not to go out and preach your best life now. Our mission is not to go out and preach pop psychology, how, ten ways you can have a better family, or, or, or how to have financial peace. None of those things are our missions. Although we can help people, but that's not what our main mission is. Our mission is to preach the kingdom has come. Jesus has come. We can have forgiveness from our sins because Jesus died for us. If we look to him, we can be saved. That is our mission. It was the mission of Jesus, the apostles, and it has not changed. And then he tells them, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Again, the very things Jesus was doing, the very things they witnessed him doing, he called them to do. Why do we see that today? Well, I think the mission changes after the time of the apostles. The apostles were given this authority. Now, Christians disagree about this. There are some who would disagree with me, but I believe that this was given for the time of the apostles. And it's not a continuing thing. We're not, we're not to go out and try to raise dead people. If we do, we're going to be a laughing stock of the world on media. Because one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to do that himself. One. When he comes back, we're all going to be raised from the dead and we're going to meet him in the air. He's going to set everything right forever. I said to hold the thought a while ago, we can also... Just fast forward to Matthew 28. The very end of the book of Matthew, the last few verses here. Matthew 28, verse 16. says, Now the eleven disciples, of course that's because Judas isn't one of them anymore, went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority has been given to me, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That same word, authority, authority. Jesus gave some of his authority to the disciples. Here we say, all authority has been given to me. Jesus says. That is their confidence. 
When they go out on the mission that Jesus has called them to, and as we go out on the mission that Jesus has called us to, we go out knowing that Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords. He has authority over every human power. Jesus is higher than the President of the United States. We go out on His authority. All authority has been given to me. There, uh, go, therefore. That's the same thing he told the disciples to do back then. Go. And make disciples of all nations. His disciples there during his ministry, their mission was to go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The boundaries have changed as of the resurrection of Jesus. And now the mission is to go to every nation. And aren't you glad it was? If Jesus hadn't told the disciples to go to every nation, then it would just be Jews everywhere. We would have never heard the gospel or been included or been saved. But Jesus says to go to every nation. And that job is still going on. There are probably about 6,000 people groups in the world today that have no access to the gospel, that have never heard the name of Jesus. Because there's so many remote tribes and languages where people haven't, don't even have the Bible in their language. But Jesus calls his disciples and he calls us today to go to every nation rather than just to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So he, we make disciples and we baptize them. Making disciples, when we preach the gospel and someone believes, they're automatically a disciple. They become a disciple whenever they believe. Um, some try to separate those and say, well... You can become a Christian when you just pray and receive Christ, and then later on you can become a disciple. The Bible doesn't make that decision, this, this uh, separation. When you begin to follow Jesus, you become a disciple. You're learning from Him. You're following Him. And then baptizing them. You wonder why we only baptize those who... We, we don't baptize infants here. Because of the wording of this text. Who do we baptize? Disciples. Those who've already been made disciples, who have already professed faith in Jesus. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We're Trinitarian. We believe that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all God, distinct three persons, but all are God. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. When are we done with our job of making disciples? It's not whenever somebody prays a prayer up at the front. We're done with our job of making disciples when they have learned to obey everything that Jesus commanded. That's the process of discipleship. Growing, learning the Bible, learning what Jesus expects of us and how to live, 
learning how to share our faith, all of those things are involved in becoming disciples. And then he says these last words in Matthew chapter 28. He says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus goes away physically. He ascends into heaven, but he sends his spirit who indwells within believers, and he is with us. We're not on our own. We don't do this in our own strength, but his spirit is with us until the end of the age. This mission did not end with the death of the apostles. This mission of making disciples goes to the end of the age. And what that means is until Jesus comes back again, that will be a new age. When he comes back again, we'll no longer be making disciples. But in this era, until he comes again, we're making disciples. So, there's a lot here. And since the recording stopped in the middle of it, I have no idea how long I've gone. <laughs> um, so just a, I'm going to back up and remind us of just a few things. Jesus had compassion on all the multitudes who needed him. He needed healing, both spiritually and physically. And he invites his disciples and he invites believers today to participate with him in his mission of proclaiming the gospel, of meeting tangible needs. When Jesus was healing the sick, he was meeting tangible needs. And that's why we have it as part of our mission. We meet tangible needs around us. And we make disciples. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.